The following sermon is by Dr. Chuck Register, Interim Pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. Matthew chapter 25, and as our musicians and vocalists are, are taking their seats, let me just express to them our congregational thank you for leading us uh, in worship today to the throne room. What a wonderful blend of some of the old hymns of the faith and some of the more contemporary courses to help us worship the Father. I'll ask you, gentlemen, to go back one slide for me to that who's your one. Thank you very much. For as you're turning to Matthew chapter 25, we're going to be studying that passage uh, together in just a moment. But I want to remind us uh, of our focus just a few weeks ago on who's your one. Uh, that focus in which we ask you, based upon God's holy word, uh, to find one person in your influence of life, a relative, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, that you would make a commitment to the Father that you would do everything in your power to help that one person come to faith in Christ over the weeks and months ahead. Over the next few weeks, we're going to begin this portion of our worship service by praying for our one. You see some names on the screen. Now, they are a portion of the 90-some-odd names you committed to reach as a congregation. And this morning, I simply want you to reflect on that person that you committed to reach for Christ. You put their name on a commitment card. You brought it during the invitation and laid it on the Lord's Supper table. I want you to pray for that person. If you are not here that day, if you're a guest in our service, just select a name on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to spend a few moments in prayer that that individual will come to faith in Christ. In a moment, I'll close our prayer time together. You pray for your one. Father, we are praying this morning collectively yet individually for our one. That person that you laid on our hearts weeks ago, that person that you whispered, I want you to reach them with the life-transforming message of Jesus. Father, help us to be faithful to the commitment that we made weeks ago. Help us to daily pray for our one. Help us to look for opportunities to Invite our one to worship with us at Emmanuel to share our personal, our personal story of how we came to Christ with our one. Father, we pray that you would give us the opportunity to celebrate our one coming to faith in Christ in the weeks and months ahead. We know, Father, that'll happen as your Holy Spirit uses us as a tool to communicate the gospel to them. And so, Father, give us creativity. Help us to share the gospel with our one in an email, in a book, over a cup of coffee, a meal in our home, by inviting them to join us in worship. Lord, we collectively and individually lift our one before you today, and we pray for their salvation. And we pray that in Jesus' name. 
the name to which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. You'll remember several weeks ago we began a series on stewardship. And when we began that series, we looked at the fact that everything belongs to God. And that was our first stopping point uh, in Scripture. Uh, secondly, last week, we looked at the gift of gifts and saw that as followers of Christ, each of us have at least one or more spiritual gifts to be used for the common good and for the glory of God. Today, we come to a message called the gift of opportunity. And that message is found in the middle of Matthew chapter 25. We will conclude this series on stewardship uh, looking at Malachi chapter 3 toward the end of the month of October. And we'll be examining this fact of the gift of kingdom financing. But today, our thoughts are focused on the gift of opportunity. Now, to understand the passage of Scripture that we study intently in a moment, we need to place... Matthew chapter 25 in verse 14 through 31 within the grand context of Matthew chapter 25. And so if you'll stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, and if you'll follow along reading silently as I begin to read aloud, Matthew chapter 25 verse 14, we'll read this parable that we're going to study. We'll set it within the grand context of Matthew chapter 25, and then we'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us from this passage of scripture today. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. And the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow, and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. 
But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, such a challenging passage of Scripture because it calls us to a commitment today. Father, this is a passage not simply to be understood, but this is a passage to be obeyed. And so we pray today for understanding, and we pray today for obedience. For, Father, we long to bring honor and glory to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. As you're being seated, we're talking about setting this parable that we examine today, Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, what is called the parable of the talents. We're setting it within the context of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is all about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It teaches various aspects about the second coming of Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 1, is called the parable of the ten virgins. It is a parable that tells us that when Jesus comes again, and he will, we must be ready. You remember the parable, don't you? There are ten virgins who are waiting for a wedding feast. In those days, in the first century, uh, when weddings would take place, the bridegroom would come unannounced, and he would lead a parade of people through the streets to the wedding celebration itself. These ten virgins have lamps. Their job is to light the way for that wedding uh, procession, if you will. Five have their lamps and they have extra oil. Five have their lamps with no extra oil. The bridegroom tarries. The virgins fall asleep. When he finally announces he's coming, they awaken. And the five who have extra oil begin to refill their lamps for the wedding procession about to take place. Those who do not have extra oil begin to ask, can, can we have some of your oil? You, you came prepared. You have extra oil. Can we? And they said, oh, no. If we give you our extra oil, we'll run out. Our lamps will burn out. Go into the marketplace and buy oil and come back. The five who did not bring their extra oil scamper out into the marketplace, and you know the parable. By the time they secure their oil and return, the procession has taken place, the wedding party has gathered on the inside, and the doors have been shut and locked. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a parable that is telling us that Jesus Christ is coming again. And when Jesus Christ comes again, at that moment, we must be ready for his second coming. We must at that moment to have already given our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, we will have uh, needed to have already asked him to forgive us of our sin and to come into our life and to take control of our life and to be our Lord and Savior and to not be ready means it will be too late. And so today, perhaps God has brought you to this place of worship this morning because it's time for you to get ready for the second coming of Jesus. Maybe today, because Jesus will come again, like the bridegroom in the parable, unannounced, he will come unexpectedly. Perhaps the purpose of today's worship service in your life is for you to get ready for the second coming of Christ to acknowledge the death of Jesus on the cross for your sin, to acknowledge your sinfulness to Christ and to repent of your sin, to turn away from your sin and submit your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior so that you will be ready when he comes again. 
Now, the parable that we study today, the parable of the talents, teaches us that readiness is responsible activity. That being ready for the second coming of Christ doesn't mean we give our life to Jesus and then we just rest until he comes again. But in the midst of this season in which we're waiting for Jesus to come again, we're engaged in responsible activity. We'll see what that is in just a moment. And then the last parable of Matthew chapter 25 that begins with verse 31, we discover that when Jesus comes again, he will judge the earth. He will come to sit on his throne at his second coming to reign as king, yes, but to act as a judge. So Matthew chapter 25 is all about the second coming of Christ. We turn our attention to the parable that begins in verse 14, the parable of the talents. It tells us that being ready for the second coming of Jesus necessitates responsible activity on your part and on my part. So with that context, let's come back to this passage of Scripture and let's look at the opportunity for ministry. Come with me, verse 14. Let's see if we can identify the various elements of this parable. For it, the word it is a reference back to verse 1. Verse 1 says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins. So when we come to verse 14 and we see this word it, it is saying the kingdom of heaven. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is just like a man. The man in this parable is Jesus Christ himself. He, he plays the role in this parable of the master. He's the man referred to in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is just like a man, Jesus, about to go on a journey. The journey in this passage of Scripture represents that period of history, don't miss this, from the ascension of Christ to the right hand of the Father and the second coming of Jesus Christ in the future. Jesus Christ right now is on a journey in history. It was a journey that began after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, after he appeared to the disciples, when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That's when the journey began. The journey will culminate when the trumpet sounds and the clouds part and Jesus Christ comes again. In the meantime is this parable that we study. We're living in this moment of history between the ascension and the second coming and therefore this parable of the uh, ten talents or the parable of the talents applies to us. Let's continue to read on verse 14. For it, the kingdom of heaven, is just like a man, Jesus, about to go on a journey, this period of history from the ascension to the second coming, who called his own slaves. Now, the word slaves in this passage of Scripture, I don't want you to miss this, ladies and gentlemen, represent self-proclaimed followers of Christ. Now, if you think the slaves represent followers of Christ, you're going to have a, a theological problem toward the end of the parable. But they represent people who personally claim to be followers of Christ. We're going to see that two of the slaves are followers of Jesus by their actions. We're going to see one slave is not a follower of Jesus revealed by his lack of action. We've got Jesus, this man, he's gone on a journey this period from the ascension to the second coming. He's called together his own slaves, these people who are self-proclaimed followers of his, and look what he does and entrusted his own possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, 
and he went on his journey. Now, the talents in this parable, ladies and gentlemen, do represent money in the first century. That's obvious as the parable unfolds. He speaks of investing the money in a bank so that when he returns, he has a talent plus interest. So in the first century, a talent was a, a, a denomination, if you will, of money. It was a, a, a monetary figure, if you will, in the first century. But this morning, I want you to think of talents as much more than simply money. This morning, I want you to think of talents as opportunities for ministry. Here's what we know from Matthew chapter 25. The Lord Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again one day. Amen? In the meantime, he has gathered we who are self-proclaimed followers of Christ, and he has given us opportunities for ministry, which are opportunities to bring honor and glory to his Father. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's moving from one opportunity to bring honor and glory to the Lord to the next opportunity to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And so this morning, if you can see the talents not just as dollar bills, if you will, if you can see talents as opportunities, open doors for ministry, open doors to live your Christian life in such a way that you bring honor and glory to the Lord. If you can do that this morning, you'll understand the full power and effect of this powerful parable in Scripture. And so the talents represent more than simply money. They represent opportunities of ministry. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 15, don't miss this. If you miss this, you miss the entire teaching of the morning. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Here's the phrase, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey, each according to his own ability. You see, in the parable, the master knows his slaves intimately. He knows their level of ability, if you will. And so to one who he knows intimately, he knows he has a lot of ability, he gives five talents according to that slave's ability. To the second slave, he knows that slave intimately. He, he knows what that slave is capable of and, and what he's not capable of. So he gives a smaller number of talents to that slave. The third slave, he also knows intimately. He knows that person's ability, what they're capable of, and he only gives them one talent. But he, he gives opportunities, he gives talents, if you will, to all of those who are self-proclaimed followers of Christ according to the intimate knowledge he has about the ability of the individual. Here's what I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen. If you're here this morning and you're a self-proclaimed follower of Jesus Christ, the Lord gives you opportunities to bring honor and glory to him through ministry and service, and he does so out of the intimate knowledge he has of your life. He knows what you're capable of. And because he knows you, because he loves you, because he knows what you're capable of, he has assigned to you various opportunities, some large, some small, depending on your ability, some many, some a few, depending on your ability. But he knows you and gives you opportunities to serve him. I was looking at YouTube this week. I came across a perfect illustration today. I want to share it with you. 
Dabo Sweeney is the head football coach for the national champion Clemson Tigers. He was in a press conference recently, and one of the reporters asked him, Coach, what's your purpose in life? Dabo didn't bat an eye. Dabo said, I know my purpose in life. My purpose in life as a man is to give glory to God. Amen? My purpose in life is also to be a great husband and to be a great father. And then he said, and my purpose in life is to take the game of football and use it to prepare young men for life. Then we focus on winning championships. Ladies and gentlemen, Dabo Sweeney understands this passage of Scripture. God, because he knows Dabo, because he knows his heart, because he knows his ability, he's given him some opportunities that you and I will never have. One, to make millions of dollars as the coach at the Clemson University. <laughs> the other is year after year to use the game of football to prepare 100-plus young men for life. It's his opportunity to glorify God. In his marriage, he has the opportunity to glorify God as a husband. With his children, he has the opportunity to glorify God as a parent. He understands that God gives us, through intimate knowledge, opportunities to glorify the Father, each according to his own ability. Do you understand that in your life? Think with me about the opportunities God has given you. Next slide, guys. What about in your family? How many of you are here parents? You have one child, two childs, two children, three children, four childs, however many you have. Some of you won't raise your hand. You're not claiming any of your kids. I, I want to try this again. How many of you have at least one child, a son or a daughter? We, there we go. You, you've discovered somebody showed you a picture, and you have to claim that. <laughs> Listen to me. What an opportunity. That son, that daughter, those sons, those daughters, they're opportunities God has given you. Opportunities for you to lead that child to faith in Christ and to disciple that child and mold that child and care for that child so that that child, to the best of their ability, lives like Jesus. Oh, yeah, there's the opportunity to teach that son to throw a curveball or to catch a fish or to shoot a, a, a rifle. There's the opportunity to teach that daughter to do a world of things in life that would bring a smile. There are opportunities for you to do a lot of things for your children, but primarily it's the opportunity to take each of your children and to mold them and shape them to be like Jesus. That's what God has given you. How many of you are grandparents here today? You, you have, yeah, we'll admit that. We'll admit grandchildren. <laughs> Did you know that studies indicate that after parents, the second most powerful spiritual influence in the life of children is their grandfather? Did you know that? Their grandfather. I have three grandchildren. They are wonderful opportunities God has given me to pour into my grandson and my granddaughter so that they come to faith in Christ and grow to live like Jesus. Wonderful opportunities. 
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a parent or a grandparent, don't get bogged down in the busyness of life simply trying to make it through today so you can awaken and start all over again tomorrow that you miss the wonderful opportunity God has given you to pour into spiritually the life of your son or daughter. What wonderful opportunities. Here's what you'll discover, young parents. You'll discover that the days are long, but the years fly by. And one day you'll wake up and you'll just wish beyond everything in your heart that you could rewind the tape just once. But you can't. So grasp that opportunity. The same is true in neighborhood. You, you have opportunities in your neighborhood with your neighbors. You have opportunities professionally. Think with me, though, about Emmanuel Baptist Church. God has given some of you opportunities to serve Him, to bring glory to Him here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. On Sunday morning, you sit down around a table with God's Word, and you have four or five or six or eight people who are just waiting for you to teach them. Thus saith the Lord. What an opportunity. On Sunday morning, you have the opportunity to pick up one of these instruments or, or to stand behind one of these microphones or to be gathered in this choir and to lead this congregation in worship. What an opportunity God has given you with your ability to lead a congregation in worship. And there are just so many opportunities of serving in the nursery, loving our little ones, of serving on a committee that helps the administration of this church unfold to our pastor search committee. What a wonderful opportunity God has given you to bring honor and glory to the Lord. Because of your ability, to some he's given five, to some he's given two, to some he's given one. Come back to the text Let's see what else this text wants to teach us this morning. There's the opportunity of ministry, but I also want you to see there's accountability with your opportunities. Look with me, if you will, verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. It's an accounting term. It's, it's a term that means to take an audit the master's been gone on his journey. He, he left his slaves with talents, with opportunities, and now he's come back and it's time to conduct an audit. It's time to bring each of those slaves in front of him for them to give an account. What did you do with the five? What did you do with the two? What did you do with the one? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, hear that warning, please. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been given opportunities to bring honor and glory to the Lord, and the Lord will hold you personally accountable for each and every opportunity. The Lord has blessed me with the opportunity to be your interim pastor during this season, to stand before you every Sunday morning, to stand before you on Wednesdays and to teach God's holy word. He will hold me accountable for each of these periods of worship in which we study his word. The same is true in your life. Your son, he's going to hold you accountable for the way you love and rear and invest spiritually in your son. Your daughters, your grandchildren, the Sunday school class that you teach, the voice and ability he's given you to play an instrument, all of those opportunities, he will hold you accountable one day. So the question is, how can we be productive? With these opportunities, 
If God is going to hold us accountable one day for each opportunity he's given us, how can we be productive? This is the heart of our study this morning. Come back and look with me, if you will. Verse 20, then verse 22, and then back to verse 16. Verse 20, how can we be productive? The one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. And see, I have gained five more. Verse 22, he was productive. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more. He was productive. How were these two productive with their opportunities? Look with me, verse 16. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. Two words I want you to see in verse 16. First, the word immediately. It's a word that signifies eagerness. Immediately. His master gave him five talents. He said, I, I want you to invest these five talents. I want you to take full advantage of these five opportunities. The Bible says immediately, with eagerness, he began to invest those talents. He didn't say, you know, my master is going to be on a long journey. I've got plenty of time to get started. He didn't say, you know, I, I need to sit down and prayerfully think through and, and plan out a strategy. The Bible says immediately with eagerness. If you go home today and read this passage of scripture, you're going to find the same action from the slave who had two talents. They take what God gives them, they take what their master gives them, and with eagerness they begin to work. Come back at verse 16. Let me show you another word. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them. The word traded is written in such a way it means to do something over and over and over again. And literally the word means to conduct business. So it means to, to conduct a business deal and a business deal and a business deal and a business deal. What's that concept? It's called consistency. How do we become productive with the opportunities that God gives us to bring honor and glory to him? We embrace them eagerly and we embrace them with consistency. That's how we pour into our sons and daughters and help them to be followers of Jesus. We embrace that opportunity to make disciples of our children eagerly and we embrace it day after day after day with consistency. That's how we embrace the opportunity to teach God's Word to a Sunday school class. We embrace it eagerly. We start on Sunday afternoon preparing and studying for the Sunday to come, and we do it consistently. Every day of the week, we're praying for our students. We're studying God's Word. We're thinking and reflecting on the study uh, for the coming Sunday so that consistently, week after week after week, we're taking advantage of that opportunity. Eagerness plus consistency. But there's one other thing I want you to see. Perhaps it overshadows eagerness and perhaps it overshadows consistently, consistency, or perhaps it gives fuel to both. And it's this, don't miss this, an overwhelming sense of personal responsibility. How can you be productive with the opportunities God gives you to bring glory to him? You have to have an overwhelming Overwhelming sense of personal responsibility. Come back, look with me if you will. 
Verse 20. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. Verse 22. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. An overwhelming sense of responsibility. These two productive slaves said, Master, you you took what belonged to you. You trusted me with it. Overwhelming sense of responsibility. Mom and Dad, you get home today and you look into the eyes of your son. God entrusted him to you. Of all the parents he could have given your son to, he entrusted him to you. You go home today and look into your eyes of your daughter or daughters, and as you gaze upon those beautiful children, recognize God entrusted them to you. It's the same with grandchildren. It's the same with the opportunity to play an instrument in worship or to sing and lead in worship. It's the same principle in studying to teach a Bible study class, regardless of whether they're the smallest in the church or the oldest in the church. All of those opportunities, God could have given them to anyone on the face of the earth, but he entrusted them to you. An overwhelming sense responsibility. How do I let God down when he trusts me with my son, with my daughter? How do I let God down when he entrusted me with my grandchildren? He entrusted me with my Sunday school class. How do I let God down? The overwhelming sense of responsibility. Now here's what I want you to see. To the two slaves that were productive The master gives them some things in this passage of Scripture. Come back and let's see what they receive from the master. Look with me, verse 21. The one that had the five talents and gained five more, verse 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. Oh, there's praise. Well done, good and faithful slave. When I get to heaven, the only thing I really want to hear, well done, good and faithful slave. There's praise. Not only praise, he gives him a promotion. Look at verse 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Boy, I'm going to promote you. You did well with a few things. I'm going to give you a lot of things. I'm going to promote you with more responsibility, more opportunity. Think about that. Maybe that's why some of you have six, seven, or eight children. It's all God's fault. You did a good job with the first two. He gave you five more. Don't blame God. The principle is when God sees someone grasping opportunities and being productive by giving him glory as he grasps those opportunities, God gives that person more opportunity and more opportunity and more opportunity to to give praise and honor to the Lord. Do you know much about Billy Graham? Billy Graham didn't start out as a rock star evangelist known by every nation on the face of the earth and loved by hundreds of millions. Billy Graham started out as 
a boy living on a farm, doing farm chores. And God gave him opportunities, and he embraced those opportunities. And he went to Bible school, and while he was in Bible school, God gave him the opportunity to preach in little churches with just a handful of people, and he embraced those opportunities. And then he became a, a youth evangelist and part of someone's organization. And he was down at the very bottom of the organizational totem pole, if you will. But he was very, he was very faithful with the opportunities he had to preach to teenagers in those days. And God took a man who knew how to grasp the opportunity that God gave and to be as faithful as he possibly could. And God carried him to the very pinnacle of Christian influence in our generation. Why? He understood this principle. God entrusted opportunities to him, and he embraced them. Come back and let me show you one other thing that he gives these productive slaves. Verse 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. There's praise. You were faithful to a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. There's promotion. Enter into the joy of your master. There's privilege. Enter into the joy of your master. Go home today and, and continue reading, and you'll see that the same thing is given to the one who had two talents and produced two more. It's not how much glory, if you will, five plus five is ten, or two plus two is four. It's just the fact that you're willing to grasp the opportunities that God gives. But the very last thing I want you to see as we close, there is productivity in those who produce are praised and promoted and receive privilege, but this parable ends in agony. It ends in agony with the self-proclaimed slave who is unfaithful with his opportunity. Verse 24. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering or you scattered no seed. Is there any justification in the parable for that opinion? None whatsoever. Throughout the parable, the master deals honestly and with integrity with his slaves. Verse 25. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. He, he dug a hole in the ground. He stuck the one talent in there. When he heard it was time to be accountable, he dug it back up and he simply said, with the dirt still on the talent, here's what is yours. Look what the master says. Verse 26, But his master and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, if you knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have put my money in the bank. If you're going to be lazy, at least put my money in the bank and on my arrival I would receive it with interest. Verse 28. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents for to everyone who has more shall be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who does not have even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth agony. Ladies and gentlemen there's no escaping. One day 
One day, we who are self-proclaimed followers of Jesus will stand before him and we will either be commended for the way we've seized the opportunities to bring him glory and we're productive. Or we'll experience agony because of our lack of faithfulness. The opportunity of your son, productive or future agony. With your daughters, that opportunity to grow them into the image of Jesus, productive or future agony. Your Sunday school class, your opportunity of service in ministry at Emmanuel, your neighbors, your co-workers, every opportunity God gives you to bring glory to him. Productive or future agony. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and, and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are not ready for his second coming. But you can be today. You can get ready this morning. You can come as we stand to sing in a moment and you can say, Chuck, today, I want to be ready. I want to know I'm ready when Jesus comes again. I want to give my heart to him. I want to turn from my sin and submit my life to his lordship. You can get ready today. Maybe you're here and your church membership is somewhere else and God is leading you to be a part of this church family at Emmanuel. Would you come this morning and unite with this church family? Make this a place to worship and serve the Lord in the days to come. Maybe, maybe what you need to do is as we stand and sing in a moment, you just need to bow your head right where you'll be standing and you just need to pray, Lord, help me to be faithful with every opportunity you give me to bring honor and glory to you. Father, would you lead us to a moment of commitment this morning? May we hear your voice and respond to your voice as you challenge us to come to Christ and to his church and to be faithful in bringing glory to you. That is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Dr. Chuck Register, interim pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, visit us on the web at ebcraleigh.com.